0: Father, Son, Holy Spirit, one God, amen. So we we tend to think of God as a loving God, and we should because he is. But sometimes we are guilty of only considering this aspect of his Godhood, because love along with mercy tend to fit favorably with the pervasive ethos of this generation. the mantra mantra of this culture increasingly has become, all things are permissible for me as long as I don't hurt others. I will live my life to please God has been replaced with, I will live my life as I please. It tends to promote a distinctively inwardly focused mindset where we become obsessed with self-love and self-care and we should take care of ourselves. And perhaps, however, we develop a very insular and myopic perspective on our lives and in turn dismiss the life that God truly desires for us and expects from us. We often think of God as love and we are not wrong to do so, but we only include in this concept what we'd like to think of as love and not necessarily what God embodies as love. We often look at providing comfort, compassion, and conveniently dismiss admonishment and correction. There is an icon more popular in the Eastern Orthodox Church that portrays a split face of Christ the Pantocrator, where the right side of Christ's face portrays kindness, gentleness, and a sort of softness. The left side of his face portrays a more stern countenance. From personal experience, it is much more palatable to rely on the right side of this image than entertain the left side. But ultimately, both are important and both are essential to our lives as Orthodox Christians. We are to know the boundless, reckless love of God but we should not forget his omnipotence, his omnipresence as the true and only just judge. So just as we must accept his kindness, compassion, empathy, mercy, and love, we must also accept his admonishment, his censure, his correction, and yes, his love. Which brings us to the story of Christ rebuking the fig tree. I've always struggled with this gospel narrative, and maybe some of you also have. From the gospel of St. Mark, chapter 11, verse 12, the next day, as they were leaving Bethany, Jesus was hungry. Seeing in the distance a fig tree in leaf, he went to find out if it had any fruit. When he reached it, he found nothing but leaves, because it was not the season for figs. So far, this seems like a normal gospel story. So, of course, what happens next, well, at least if I were writing it, would be that as the disciples were wondering what they are going to do for food, Christ will start to distribute the leaves and food, figs, will appear in his hands. Or Christ will spit on the ground, fashion clay, hand out these clay from the tree, and figs will appear and the disciples will dine like they never had before. And the disciples would all marvel asking, which of them did he do this for? After all, if I were to tell you, this is what actually happened, none of us would bat an eyelash because we have been there and we have seen Jesus do this before as he distributed the five loaves and two fish and as Jesus healed the man who was born blind. We are familiar with the image of Christ multiplying creating and healing but this is not the Christ we get in the gospel as Saint Mark continues verse 14 then he said to the tree may no one ever eat fruit from you again and his disciples heard him say it the gospel then continues by describing Christ entering Jerusalem and cleansing the temple another passage that has given me pause over the years this is not quite the Christ we are used to hearing about and certainly not the one I tend to think about most frequently. This is so much so that if someone told me this text was not in the gospel of Mark and the gospel of math, St. Matthew, I'd probably dismiss it as a heretical account of Christ. The problem is that is not the case. So why is this? The more I reflected on it and read about it, I think it dawned on me that I always conveniently was conveniently looking at the right side of Christ's face while perhaps ignoring the presence of the left side of the icon. The low-hanging fruit here is that I look at the right side of Christ's face because it's easier for me. It's easier to look at the God that will always forgive me. It's easier to look at the God that I can return to time and time again when I fail or, or fall short of what he would want his son to be. It's that God that allows me to look in the mirror time and time again, when I have failed my wife, when I have failed my children, when I have failed my fellow Sunday school servants and students, when I have failed Father Andrew with Homo preparation, when I have failed the colleague at work, when I have failed the needy in my backyard and in my city. I have read several interpretations from the church fathers as to what this passage of Christ cursing the fig tree really means. The church fathers are quick to point out that the fig tree appears against the backdrop of Jerusalem. Saint Athanasios preached that the fig tree is a symbol of the Jewish nation that had outward appearance of fruits because they had followed the letter of the law, but they lacked fruit in that they did not abide by the spirit of the law and neglected the weightier things of the law. From this, I think we should at the very least, glean that Christ is not so interested with the outward appearance of things and perhaps much more interested in what lies within the heart of his faithful. And perhaps this is most convicting, that he is not content with what may look like a good father or mother, what may look like a good brother or sister or a good friend or colleague, or what may look like a good Christian. He is not interested in what most of us post on Instagram, offering the best most touched of the versions of ourselves. He is interested in our fruits and those weightier things. The beauty of this, and we will touch on this later, is that this may sound extremely difficult, but in fact, may just require some adjustments of how we view ourselves and how we view our world, a change of mantra. Other church fathers are also quick to point out that Christ cursed the fig tree, even though it was not the season for figs. Why would he do this? This seems harsh. Shouldn't Jesus have known this? Shouldn't he who created the fig tree known what a common farmer would know? Well, of course, the answer is yes, and he did. So why then did, the, did he dry up the fig tree? What did it ever do to Jesus? St. John Chrysostom teaches, Like as this then was their suspicion, so also was it too. Suppose it was cursed for this cause because of having no fruit. Wherefore then was it cursed, for the disciples' sake, that they may have confidence. For because everywhere he conferred benefits, but punished no man. And it was needful that he should afford them a demonstrative proof of his power to take vengeance also. That both disciples might learn, and the Jews, and this is, this is the key here, that being able to blast them that crucify him, of his own will he submits, and does not blast them, and it was not his will to show forth this upon men. Upon the plant did he furnish the proof of his might in taking vengeance. This ultimately became a lesson in mercy for the disciples and for us all that while, as the just judge, he is solely justified and capable of enacting acts of vengeance on those who assault him and crucify him instead he extends mercy and forgiveness and this should give us hope and comfort that even at the darkest hour this world has known the crucifixion of Jesus Christ he extended love and mercy when he was justified to enact retribution and vengeance so back to Christ and his disdain for false piety window dressing and what I'll call Instagram faithfulness what is the prescriptive for this don't we all do this to some degree? Don't we all to some degree live in this world of falsehood? Don't we all to some degree participate in this charade of pretending to be more than we actually are? I would say this is true for me personally. And at the end of the day, this selfish obsession with self of me first and foremost above all, this calling card of our generation can and may be at the root of our potential demise. Our Lord, the just judge, has certainly made it clear that he is not partial to this manner of fruitless living. We read tomorrow, during the eleventh hour, during the day, one of my favorite and yet sobering passages in the entire New Testament, a fork in the road that we almost deliberate over in our lives. Will we live for ourselves, or will we live to love and care for others? In this passage, it is clear That while our salvation is through the salvific acts of our lord commemorated and lived out during this week we must also acknowledge that it absolutely does matter how we live our lives and that we should have the expectation that the just judge has every right to judge us accordingly reading from saint from the gospel of matthew when the son of man comes in his glory and and please listen to these words because this is this is a description of judgment. When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the holy angels with him, then he will sit on the throne of his glory. All the nations will be gathered before him and he will separate them one from another as a shepherd divides his sheep from the goats. And he will set the sheep on his right hand, but the goats on the left. Then the king will say to those on his right hand, Come you blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of And the king will answer and say to them, Assuredly, I say to you, inasmuch as you did it to one of these, the least of my brethren, you did it to me. Then he will also say to those on the left hand, Depart from me, you cursed, into the everlasting fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry, and you gave me no food. I was thirsty, and you gave me no drink. I was a (coughs) stranger, and you did not take me in. Naked, and you did not clothe me. Sick and in prison and you did not visit me. Then they also will answer him, saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty, or a stranger, or naked, or sick, or in prison, and did not minister to you? Then he will answer them, saying, Assuredly, I say to you, inasmuch as you did not do it to one of these, the least of these, you did not do it to me. And these will go away into everlasting punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. Ultimately, when it comes down to it, and Christ sits on his throne to judge, he will ask us if we looked beyond ourselves. If we looked beyond our bank accounts or our cars or our vacation homes, did we extend our hand to help the couple in our church experiencing difficulties in their marriage? Did we seek to ease the day-to-day of a mother or father immersed in caring for a special needs child? Did we truly welcome the seeking worshiper into our congregation? Or did we roll by the homeless gentleman on the exit ramp pretending not to see him as we adjusted our already finely tuned air condition do we continue to swipe up scrolling past our own children's desire for attention from us at the dinner table these are things that matter to christ these are the things that we will be judged on i would venture to say it probably doesn't matter much to god if we invented some revolutionary medical device have a phd in orthodox theology or make the fluffiest roundest most golden browner bond this side of the five the gospel tells us over and over again that god is concerned with what is in, within the heart and the rest is just foolishness of this of this passing generation god is concerned if we love him and if we love each other and that's it full stop jesus said to him verse 37 you shall love the lord your god with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and great commandment. And the second is like it, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. And that's from Matthew 22. So yes, you see the two sides of the face of Christ, the loving, compassionate, kind God, but also the reminder that he is the just judge. The story of Jesus cursing the fig tree is a reminder to us, not of some callous act of damning and appropriately fruitless tree, but a reminder of God's mercy towards humanity, mercy and love that we should not take for granted. I'll end on a lighter note, a short story of a woman I love dearly, a woman who passed away many years ago, but left an indelible print on those who encountered her. She was a Sunday school teacher in my home church in Chicago, a woman of short stature with a boundless giving heart, a woman of meekness, Um, While no one would ever confuse her for a master in patristics, she was intelligent but humble. She was probably the last person you expect to be a high school Sunday school teacher, but many in the class came to view her as a second mother or at least one of their favorite tunts. One day, perhaps in an effort to connect with her high schoolers, she brought in song lyrics to a popular song from that year. Many of us here probably know the song. At the risk of going down in history as the only person to mention this group in a Holy Week sermon, I will defer that. But the song talks much about warring, misinformation from the media, what's wrong in the world, fighting among different ethnic groups and racial groups, fundamental lack of respect between people. It's really funny how not much has changed. The song is like 15 or 20 years old. And in the end, the refrain echoes, Father, 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 help us. Send some guidance from above. And ends ends with, where is the love? Some of us who were particularly close to this woman kind of teased her for this obvious attempt to connect to her Sunday school students, these high schoolers. She was a middle-aged woman. But at the end of this, God... But at the end of this, this godly and intelligent but meek and pure-hearted woman brought in this song because she felt it addressed a pervasive problem. And I hope someday when you and I stand before the loving, compassionate, merciful, but just judge, he does not ask us, where is the love? Glory be to God forever.